And if you use the Florida weave, you can also brag to your gardening friends about the size of your trellis. I mean, my seven-string tomato plant beats out my neighbor's five-string tomato any day of the week. <laughs> hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This Garden Talk Tuesday, we are returning to our discussion about tomatoes. Only this week, we're going to talk about pruning and trellising your tomatoes. So if you remember from the last time we talked about tomatoes, there are two different types of tomatoes. We have determinate and indeterminate. Plus, we have those indeterminate short internode ones that are determinates that sort of grow like a bush habit, um, similar, more similar to a determinate tomato. So determinates basically set all of their fruit in a very short period of time, and they have a bit more of a bush growing habit. So you can get away with not trellising determinates a lot of the time because they do have that more bush growth habit, and that's the same with those ISI tomatoes, those indeterminate short internode. But just keep in mind, if you have a very heavy harvest, it still may be a good idea to trellis them. Now, indeterminates, those ones that just continue to grow and flower and fruit all the way up until they finally die from the first frost, those will definitely yield best if they are trellised. So why is this? Why do we want to trellis our tomato plants? First of all, it keeps the fruit off of the ground. So you have less chances of the tomatoes rotting from laying on wet soil. You're going to reduce the spread of diseases. It's going to keep away those ground insect pests and critters like bunnies that like to eat your tomatoes. Um, it also keeps the plants more upright with support that helps keeps the stems from breaking if it gets windy, especially when you've got a full load of fruit on them. Those plants can get really, really heavy, and those stems sometimes aren't strong enough to be able to maintain if you have especially stormy conditions. And then trellising allows for more airflow around the base of the plant. This also helps prevent disease, and it just makes for a healthier overall plant. And then if you combine that with proper pruning, it can be really beneficial in this way, especially if you live in a very humid area. So there are a bunch of different types of trellises. The first most basic version are tomato cages, either the round ones or the larger, beefier square ones. Now, if you grow less than a dozen or so tomato plants, then cages are probably the easiest option for you. High quality square tomato cages or even the round ones can provide support around the entire plant. They're super easy to install. You basically put your plant in the ground and while it's still small, then you go ahead and push your tomato cage over the top 
of the young plant. This is the same thing if you're growing in containers. If you have one large pot and you put your small tomato plant in the center of that pot, then you immediately go ahead and put that cage over the top. Don't wait until it gets a little bit bigger because it's way harder to sort of shimmy that cage down and around that tomato plant um, after it started to get kind of bushy and leafy. So do it when it's young. Your store-bought cages are usually galvanized, and so they're definitely made to last for many gardening seasons. I've also seen now where they sort of have these powder-coated varieties as well. You can also make your own cages by bending woven wire fencing or cattle panels or concrete mesh. You can also build square cages from PVC or wood or any combination of materials. It really just depends on how much room you have to store these items at the end of the season. And if you're really handy, you can sort of make them collapsible to where they will lay flat in storage um, or stand up against a wall without taking up a whole lot of space. That's a little bit beyond some of my skills, <laughs> but I bet you my husband would be able to figure it out if I told him to do it. He's got that sort of engineering brain. So um, there's, there's plenty of ways to sort of make your own cages. Another way to trellis is by using individual stakes. This isn't actually a trellis, but it's the same idea. You basically just take a, a stake, place a stake, a wooden stake usually, um, sometimes out of bamboo, or they also have um, metal ones that are powder coated. And you just take that stake and you place it right next to each tomato plant, really close to the stem. And then as the plant grows, you just tie it lightly to the stake to give it support. It's, it's kind of the second simplest way to trellis a tomato plant, and it really is effective. But if you have a very large number of tomatoes, that's a lot of stakes. So you may want to look for an alternative. One of those alternatives is a fence trellis, and this is exactly what it sounds like. You can grow tomatoes up against a fence, a cattle panel held up by T-posts, wooden slats nailed into a panel configuration old um, pallets, anything that allows the plant to be tied to it. If you've got a place that you can put up a fence trellis and just leave it there, you can rotate vining crops through it each season. So one year you can do tomatoes, and then the next year you can do an early crop of peas and a late crop of beans. And then the following year you can do cucumbers. All of these crops can use a fence as a trellis, and only the tomatoes actually need to be tied to it. The others will find their way on their own with their tendrils. And so in this way, you're not moving it every single year. You can just kind of put it up and leave it. And if you can do that in three different locations and then rotate those three different crops between those locations, you're not having to move or, or recreate the system every year, but you still get to follow a crop rotation. So it's a really easy way to be able to use a type of trellis that works for multiple uh, crop families. Another popular way to trellis your tomatoes is the string trellis. And there are multiple ways to do this one too. The most popular is the Florida weave or basket weave or cat's cradle method, whatever you want to call it. This technique consists of using stakes along the row of tomatoes and then weaving twine in between the plants and each stake. So it's, it's a really good way to trellis tomatoes if you grow a lot of them and they're all in 
rows. You can use metal T-posts or wooden stakes or rebar all along the row, and then you just weave the twine around the plants and then around the posts to support the plants. But you weave it all the way down one way and then come back again so that there's twine on both sides of each tomato plant. And this is where I messed up the first couple of times that I tried this. It's important to go down and back to sandwich the plant between the twine. And then as the plant grows, you add more twine higher up the stakes. So you can use cotton twine or sisal or commercial grade polymer twine. The commercial grade stuff doesn't sag like the regular twine does, but it's also not biodegradable. So keep that in mind. And if you use the Florida weave, you can also brag to your gardening friends about the size of your trellis. I mean... My seven-string tomato plant beats out my neighbor's five-string tomato any day of the week. <laughs> so you can also do a hanging string trellis that runs from the top of some sort of a structure and either straight down to the ground or at an angle. So basically you create a structure that either is like an upside-down V or a TP shape and then you tie long lengths of garden twine running from the top of the teepee to the ground. And then you plant the tomatoes in the center of that V and wrap the twine around the plant for support as it grows. Now you can also create a structure from stakes connected by a support pole or strong wire that runs across the top. So start with some tall, strong posts driven into the ground about every 20 feet or so, and then a long line of a really strong wire stretched really tightly between the posts or a long vertical pole attached across the top. If you're using a pole, then I would recommend doing the, 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 the posts about every 10 feet and then have that 10-foot length of pole across the top connecting all of those posts. And then you can run twine either straight down or at a 45-degree angle and secure it into the ground. Then you plant a tomato at the base of each section of twine, and you just secure the stems of the plant to the twine as it grows. And you can train it to grow either straight up or, again, at that 45-degree angle. And then finally, there is the lower and lean. Now, this is not technically a trellis, but it's a method that's used with a trellis. And it used to be used just by professional growers in greenhouses with thousands of plants that are very, very strictly pruned. But home gardeners have kind of gotten wind of this method and are using it outdoors to make a more efficient use of space and sort of increase their yield. It is a bit of an advanced method that does require some management, but it's especially useful in areas with very long growing seasons where your plants could continue to grow almost nonstop or for at least a very long period of time. So essentially, with the lower and lean, you're going to build a string trellis structure that sort of extends out a little further than the space that your plants need right away. So, you know, say you have a five foot section and you're going to plant those plants underneath it, then you build a, an additional five foot section. Um, then you sort of leave that blank. Then when you tie up the strings um, or the twine, you leave a bunch of it wound up at the top of the structure. 
So then you plant your tomatoes as usual, plant them at the base of the twine. When the tomato plant continues to grow up, you're securing it to that twine as it goes up. As it gets taller and it finally reaches the top of your structure, then you strip all of the lower leaves from the bottom of the plant, at least a foot or more. Then undo that twine at the top to allow for some slack, which is essentially lowering the tomato plant and then allowing it to kind of lean over to one side. So that, that stripped bare area of vine that you took all the leaves off of is now in contact with the ground. And then you re-secure the twine at the top and you do the same thing to the next tomato plant, leaning it in the same direction. So if you do this, it allows the vine to continue growing at the top and you can continue to be able to reach the fruit. It's right there. Like I said, it's an advanced technique, but it is one that many home growers are beginning to use if they want to extend the harvest and get more tomatoes from fewer plants across the season. It kind of is hard to describe without pictures, but you know, good old Google can show you some examples of what this means. Just, just do a search for lower and lean, and I guarantee you, um, you will have all kinds of videos and stuff that will pop up showing you how to do this. Again, it does take some forethought. It takes some time. Um, but it's, you know, it might be something fun to try in the garden. It's not my first recommendation, though, for home gardeners. So, all right, let's say you've got your, your plants trellised or caged. Um, now, what about pruning those beautifully trellised plants? Should you prune or shouldn't you? And if so, when and how? <laughs> Let's demystify tomato pruning right now. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's not much better than looking out first thing on a sunny morning, gazing at my garden beds over a hot cup of coffee. As U.S. Marines, my husband and I drank a lot of coffee. As farmers, well, let's just say we should probably drink more water. The coffee we drink these days still has a military tie. We have freshly roasted coffee shipped to us every few weeks from Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle is a veteran-owned business, just like ours, but they serve up premium coffee and ship it around the world. When you join their coffee club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on whatever schedule you choose. And with every purchase, they're giving back to military veterans and active duty, law enforcement, and first responders. Ready to check them out? Go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. No commitments. Cancel any time. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription. I actually had a hard time with pruning my tomato plants when I first started. I didn't quite understand where exactly I was supposed to pinch these suckers or prune the growth. And I'm not a big YouTube person, so I never really went looking for videos of the technique, although that probably would have saved me a little bit of aggravation the first few years. 
I just kept reading different descriptions of just what I was supposed to be pruning. And for some reason, it just didn't click in my brain until way later. So hopefully I can explain it with a little bit more clarity for you here. So first things first, pruning your tomatoes is totally optional. There, I said it. I know the tomato gurus out there insist that for the best harvest from your garden, you need to prune your tomato plants. And that's just hooey. It's totally optional. Some people, especially those who are meticulous about trellising their tomatoes to keep them nice and neat, are also pruning them as they go along. And this can keep the plants tidy. It can give you bigger fruit size and make the tomatoes ripen a little bit faster for sure. And at least removing the bottommost leaves once the plant has finished fruiting down there can help increase the airflow and that helps decrease disease. But your plant's not going to die. It's not going to not produce for you or anything else like that if you don't prune it. So if you've got way too much else going on in your garden and in your life to mess with pruning your tomatoes, no worries. But if you do want to prune them, let's figure out how. Let's be sure first that you know if you've got determinate or indeterminate varieties. You should only prune indeterminate varieties because those will produce new leaves and flowers continuously throughout the growing season. If you prune determinate varieties, you may actually reduce the harvest. So just remember, determinates genetically have a predetermined number of flowers that they're going to produce. And the development of that plant sort of follows the same pattern every single time. There's this initial vegetative stage during which all of the stems and most of the leaves and a few of the fruits are formed, right? And then this is followed by a flush of flowering and one final leaf expansion. And then while the fruit is getting to size, there is no further vegetative growth. So there is no reason to be pruning those plants at that point. And then as the tomato fruits ripen, the leaves are going to start senescing and dying. So if you have determinate tomato plants, do not be alarmed when the bottom leaves begin to turn yellow and drop off the plant while the plant is producing that first round of fruit and it's got its final round of flowers out there. That's actually the natural progression of a determinate plant. I mentioned before, we grow both determinate and indeterminate, and I do trellis my determinates with a Florida weave, but I never ever prune them. So for your indeterminate plants, you want to be sure that you're pinching off any blooms that develop on the plant before they're at least a foot to 18 inches in height. This is going to help make your plant stronger by directing energy to the root system and prevents the plant from getting loaded down with fruit before that stem is strong enough to support them. Once you've allowed the plant to start flowering, then you want to remove all the suckers from below that first cluster of flowers. So the suckers are the all the little shoots that form in the crook of where each leaf stem attaches to the main vine. This is called the axil, A-X-I-L. So the suckers are the little stems that are producing in that axle. So you want to pinch those off 
And you want to do it when they're small and you can just pinch them off with your fingers. And that way they don't leave any kind of a lesion or a wound um, right there against the vine. Now, if by the time you see them, they're already too big to pinch off, then just cut them using a set of um, pruning shears or sharp scissors or a knife or something that makes a clean cut. Don't try to break it off at this stage because you actually could damage the plant and that would allow pests and diseases and stuff to invade. So you remove those suckers in whole, and this is called simple pruning. You're just pinching off those suckers out of there, and you're done with it. Now, if you live somewhere where it gets scorching hot by mid-season, like we do here in West Central Missouri, you can practice a technique called, appropriately, Missouri pruning. So rather than completely removing the sucker, you actually just pinch off the growing tip and leave the bottom two leaves on that sucker. So essentially this stops the sucker from growing, but it leaves those leaves intact to shade the fruit as they ripen, which prevents sun scald. This is a handy technique that protects the fruit, but it's still keeping the growth of the plant in check and directing that energy toward the fruit and not excess leafy growth. This is also a good idea if you're pruning a plant that has gone a little wild. So if you have one that has just got suckers everywhere, I would not cut the suckers completely off. I would do a Missouri pruning and leave those bottom two leaves because it's going to help prevent any open wounds on the plant where you've cut a very large sucker off close to the stem. Now you can also prune very vigorously and only allow your plant to have one main stem rather than the many stems that it naturally wants to produce. If you've ever looked at a tomato plant, just how it naturally grows, you have that sort of main stem that starts and then you have that first flower cluster. And then there it sort of starts to split and you'll end up with two stems and then three main stems and then possibly even a fourth one. And all of those stems are producing flowers and all of them are producing fruit. And then all the way back down all of those stems, you're continuing to get all these side shoots from those suckers. If you want to tidy your plant, essentially find that first flower cluster and remove all the vegetative growth from the vine below that cluster. Then only allow flowering to occur on that main vine, removing all of the side shoots as the vine continues to grow. So now essentially the fewer the stems, the fewer fruits you'll have. But those fruits will be larger than if you allowed it to have more than one main stem. And it also takes up much less room in the garden. This is also the pruning method that you're going to want to use most often anyway, um, if you do that lower and lean method of trellising. But it does require a lot of maintenance to keep that just one, we call it a main leader, the, the main leader going um, all the way up. So it's not really something that I recommend for most home gardeners. I just say remove the suckers from below the flowering point, allow the plant to have its multiple stems. To me, this is the simplest and most effective method. You're going to get more fruit. They may not be as big as if you had pruned it to just one main leader, 
but it's really not necessary for the home gardener. It's not usually your goal is to, you know, grow the, the biggest, I mean, unless you're going to the state fair, but it's not usually your goal to grow the biggest tomato and just have one of them. You want to be able to harvest some, some tomatoes throughout the entire season. So no reason to go down to just one main stem. Go ahead and allow it to have those multiple stems, but just remove the suckers from below that lowest flowering point and you'll do just fine. And if you choose not to prune, just know that all of those suckers turn into side shoots and those side shoots will flower and fruit just like the main stems of the plant. Your plant will be loaded with fruit, but they will likely be smaller than if you had pruned some of those suckers off. And if that's fine by you, well, then no pruning needed. Now, whether you've pruned all season long or not, there is one type of pruning that you do want to practice at the end of the season, and this is called topping. So about a month or so before your first expected frost date in the fall, your tomatoes are likely still going to be totally loaded with fruit. You can speed up the ripening late in the season by removing the growing tip of each of those main stems. Just prune them off at the top. This type of pruning actually causes the plant to stop flowering and setting new fruit, and instead it's going to direct all its energy to the remaining fruit. So the fruit's going to ripen faster, and then any of the green tomatoes that you pick before that frost are actually going to be more mature, and so they will ripen up when you bring them indoors. Now, I'll tell you, we have grown tomatoes six ways to Sunday, including just letting them vine across the ground and do their thing, no staking, no pruning, no nothing. I don't recommend this. <laughs> it doesn't make for healthy plants, and harvesting is a pain, but sometimes your circumstances dictate what happens in the garden more so than your intentions. We've trellised with cages, A-frames, along fences and cattle panels. I've used individual stakes and the Florida weave. And I have to say, for a small number of plants, my favorite way to grow is along a cattle panel. Throwing a few T-posts in the ground, strapping a livestock panel between them, planting the plants at the base of the panel, and then just loosely tying them up as they creep up, is just the easiest way to trellis just about anything, tomatoes included. But livestock panel is not necessarily cheap, and it's not getting any cheaper, even though it's generally just a one-time purchase. But when you're growing like a 1,000 full-size tomatoes and over 100 cherry tomatoes, it's really not an economical way to go. So we've gone with the Florida weave for our market gardens. But when I retire from farming and I go back to only maintaining my small home garden, I'm going back to a fence trellis. Or maybe I'll build something less utilitarian, more whimsical, like a teepee out of bamboo or something. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, that's it for this episode. If you're currently trellising or pruning your tomatoes, post a picture on Instagram and tag uh, just Grow Something podcast and show me what you're up to. I would love to see what you all are working with. And if you have any questions at all about pruning or trellising, feel free to reach out. It was confusing to me in the beginning and I would love to be a resource for you. I am always here with a little gardening advice. Thanks for joining me today and I will talk to you again on Friday when we'll continue our discussion on preserving the harvest. 
Have a great week. You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened, rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.